and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last night. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl. Well, I'm a screen guy. Oh, Pennsylvania. We love Pennsylvania. As we learned in the last episode, and as I think most PA politicos are realizing, the Pittsburgh mayoral race has really reached a boiling point. And what happens on Tuesday, May 18th, is not only going to set the course for Pennsylvania's second largest city over the next four years, I'd argue that what happens when the polls close is worth watching for everyone beginning to mount a statewide campaign, uh, Democrats and Republicans. You know, the primary next year, uh, the Democratic primary uh, for Senate, uh, if there is one for governor, it's going to need the activists and the volunteers that are deep in the trenches this mayoral primary. And over the next two episodes, we'll have in-depth conversations with the campaign managers for Mayor Bill Peduto and his leading challenger, State Representative Ed Ganey. So Moses Nelson is Rep Ganey's manager, and he's going to join us first. He's going to share his move from Connecticut to Pittsburgh. Uh, building out a finance plan with low-dollar donors and which neighborhoods his team is particularly targeting, and, and much, much more. Pittsburgh Mayor Bill Peduto's run for a third term is being challenged by a local state representative. In an exclusive interview with KDKA's John Delano, Representative Ed Ganey says if Peduto couldn't get the job done in eight years, he doesn't deserve another four. Hey, Mo Nelson, welcome to my kitchen table. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, Mo, you're originally from Connecticut, the nutmeg state, but you're now uh, in Pittsburgh and you're in the uh, final 10 days of pretty hotly contested primary. So how did that happen? Uh, That's quite the journey. A hotly contested race or the journey of me from Connecticut to Pittsburgh? (laughs) Uh, The latter. Okay. In 2012, I came out on the Obama re-election campaign and some folks that I knew in Michigan from the uh, original inaugural campaign for then Senator Obama. Passed my name along and someone called and um, I was happy to take the trip and uh, ended up meeting a state representative who had just won, who had just beat in a primary um, some months before, a longtime incumbent. And one of his districts was the area that I was in charge of running. And so we ended up working together to get out the vote for President Obama's reelection and just kind of formed a relationship from there. And there's, you know, obviously more story to that. It would, there was a, and actually, as irony would have it, there was a, uh, a candidate running for mayor for the, for, you know, maybe the second or third time in the following cycle. And he asked me to stay and help that candidate. And it turned it from one campaign to another to another. And, and lo and behold, I'm a campaign staffer slash political operative in Pittsburgh. So. The rest is kind of history, I guess. And every day in between has probably been a new adventure. You know, maybe it's a bad analogy these days, but politics is like a virus. And once you catch it, it's pretty hard to shake. So which part of Connecticut are you originally from? I'm born and raised in New Haven. Gotcha. And I mean, uh, 
or big city politics kind of in your blood? I mean, as a high school student or even younger, were you involved in volunteering on campaigns or how, what inspired you to take this plunge? I started, you know, about maybe ninth grade or so. I was going to a community center and I wanted to use the computers and I had to kind of wait until like 6 p.m. when the, the kids went home because they were able to use it for after school. And then the older kids could use it after they left. And uh, the computer teacher told me that if I was helping out, that I can stay in and teach the kids. And it just kind of stuck from there. And, and a guy came in one day, Yale student, um, who had a project and needed some computer work as a, as a component, offered to pay me to do it. And um, I started a community calendar. That same person decided to run for older person, which was a city legislative um, position, and naturally asked me to help. And that began in terms of me knocking on doors of people who I've known my whole life. And the Democratic Party, the Democratic machine, didn't really like this Jewish kid from, I think he was from, I want to say he was from Stanford or some part in, in, in uh, southern part of Connecticut, like Fairfield, Fairfield County area. And uh, they put like a nasty mailer out in the uh, uh, to the community that they did. And it was my first kind of brush with like the political, like the good that it can do all the way to some of the ills. And so in that one small cycle, it kind of created this thing in me that wanted to learn more. And so I started to do a little bit more. It's not really big city politics, but kind of homegrown kind of stuff. And I was able to, in, in 2000, with the now famous or infamous, however you look at it, you know, Bush Gore, I was up all night just kind of, you know, on TV, kind of watching it. And I remember going back to school the next day and having a long conversation with a civics teacher uh, about it. And it kind of started from there. That's where, you know, some of the early days of it and it just kind of matured over the years. That's so great. Uh, and look, I'm, I'm not too familiar with New Haven, but you referenced Yale, and uh, I suppose there's similarities with, with the city of Pittsburgh. I mean, the demographics have changed significantly over the last 100 years. There's a major university, and in the case of Pittsburgh, obviously, there's several, but that's great. So when, when did you uh, make the move to Pittsburgh and come on board State Rep. Ganey's uh, campaign? So the 2012 election, I was here for the Obama re-election. Ed was a general election candidate, but didn't really have any opposition for the general election. Um, 2013, um, I worked on his 2014 and 2016 campaign for re-election. Uh, the 2014 campaign was just you know amazing in terms of turnout, being able to increase uh, turnout. He actually got more votes than any state rep outside of Philly. And actually, outside of six others, received the, you know the most. So um, that was exciting. You know, just being able to turn out. Uh, you know, and his con- his constituency is I, I would say forty, maybe sixty percent African American. You know, you know, and so um, that many folks voting in, in those kind of communities just aren't. You know, those things aren't aren't normal. And so working with him and in the community, trying to build a political education system for voters right, to become more aware of why it's important to get involved and kind of stay involved and that the presidential election is not the only way to exercise your right to vote. That in the off years, in municipal elections, um, as well as federal elections, um, they become much more um, important and touch your lives kind of um, equally. 
And so that relationship has grown over the years of, of me being in even out of Pittsburgh sometimes, right, for, for different jobs and ventures. But I've, I've found a way back to Pittsburgh almost uh, every time since 2012. And so it was probably just probably more of a, you know, familiarity with his style, uh, the way he wanted to connect with the community um, that brought us to where we are today. Uh, look, a belated nine years uh, belated, but uh, thank you, you know, for uh, helping uh, the Biden, uh, I'm sorry, Biden, Obama, Biden uh, win Pennsylvania's electoral votes in 2021. And then my old boss, uh, Senator Casey, who was up for his reelection as well. So absolutely fantastic that you were able to do that strong turnout in those neighborhoods that comprised Rep. Ganey's, uh, uh district. I think a lot of our listeners outside of Pittsburgh don't know the diversity of the neighborhoods, but uh, we're talking Homewood, East Liberty, the East Hills. So give folks a sense. So you, you've come on board the mayor's race. It's a pandemic. And, uh, you know, it's that we have an incumbent mayor. What, you know, day one, what is what is what is your task? Are you building a team? Or are you a team of one? So day one, and I would say, you know, maybe, before, you know, as we get to day, day one is really a conversation, right? Day one is how do we formulate an idea that says, the city needs a change. Ed's the guy to do it. And can we make it happen? Right. Running a campaign and being in office are two totally different things. Right. I've seen some excellent candidates um, become horrible leaders. Um, and I've seen some, some horrible candidates who are just excellent leaders. Right. And it's trying to find a balance between those two and marry those things together. A campaign of this size and magnitude always need resources and always needs to be able to feel like it's capable of putting itself in a position to be successful. I always say, you know, you can't do the good that you want to do until you win, right? And so, you know, day one was, was having a conversation, a, a realistic conversation about, can we mount the, the amount, the, you know, the kind of operation that's needed to get the job done? And so the actual literal day one of the campaign was literally actually my birthday. When we, you know, had a press release and, you know, we're going over all the things that says, okay, how do we get this done? How can we build the organization that, that needed? We can't be one person. This is not a, a state rep district, right? We, we have to, we have to do more. We know that there's about 35,000 registered voters in a state rep district. The city of Pittsburgh has, you know, 150,000 registered Democrats, right? Like significantly more, three times the size. We, we have to be absolutely sure that we can do it. So day one is really, assembling a team and trying to figure out where are the strengths and weaknesses and how do we compensate for the weaknesses and use our strengths as leverage. And that was really day one and day, you know, the first, you know, 10, 20 days, right. Is, you know, building a plane and flying it at the same time. Yeah. Can we, I like that analogy just to unpackage a little bit more. So, so strengths, I, I don't want to assume, but I, I assume it's the state rep district. It's those neighborhoods I mentioned. So let's explore weaknesses uh, back then when you're launching this. We have the state rep district, but one, and we know that it is really strong in the state rep district, but 40% of it is in the city, right? 30 to 40% of it is in the city, right? So we have this incredible strength. However, now we, we can only use 60% of it, right? <laughs> because the rest of it's in, in Wilkinsburg. And so. And for, for our listeners outside of Allegheny County and Pittsburgh, and I'm so proud that we've crossed over 2,000 listeners. 
So, so Pittsburgh is obviously the largest municipality, uh, 300,000 plus uh, residents, but it's just one of dozens, over 100 in the Allegheny County. So, so we're in the eastern part of the city of Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, but yep. so, 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 so weaknesses then when you look at the 150,000 or so registered Democrats in the city. So that's one is we, we can't carry over all of our support. We can carry over 60% of it. And then we still got to have conversations with them about, you know, firing the guy that they may like for a guy that they, that they may need, right? Money is always a big thing, right? And in the city of Pittsburgh, they changed the campaign finance laws about six years ago. And so now that means that anyone who wants to explore this opportunity has to start a campaign from scratch, right? So the campaign, if you don't already have one existing, you have to create one that has a zero balance. Interesting. So the state rep, uh, which is limitless, you know, state rep candidate, or for that matter, a governor candidate uh, can receive a six-figure check if he or she is so lucky. But you're saying that that bank account cannot be transferred? No. Uh huh. only carry what the limits are, right? And so currently the limits are um, $5,000 for a pack and $2,900 now. At the time, there's only twenty eight. But $2,900 per individual or um, twice that for a married couple. Which no, so very, very similar to the federal. Okay. Exactly. So, so, so you're, you're literally starting from a $0 bank account, and uh, you're starting from a state rep district that is not entirely in the, the city boundaries. All right. Well, that, that was several months ago, but things have sped up. Uh, so you've built a team. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. How big is your team, uh, paid staff, and consultants? So right now we have three paid consultants. We have, counting in my head, I think eight, nine paid staff members. And then we have some consultants that are um, not being paid. I am at this moment, you know, three paid. And then we've used several vendors for different things. Some that can, can be considered uh, consultant, but we've, we've stayed nimble, as nimble as possible. I think um, outside of salaries, most of what we raise, we've spent operationally, right? We haven't done a ton in the way of merch. We haven't done a ton in the, in the way of just kind of frivolously spending, which is what campaigns usually do. Sometimes it's a cost of doing business and others just, you know, to try to keep some things afloat. And so what we've done is we've done the hard work in a lot of instances um, to save ourselves the money. Uh, in, in other instances. So instead of paying for every little thing, if we can get it for free and do it ourselves, we've done that. We've, we've opted that way. So there's a, the, some, some of the trade-offs of, of being nimble. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, let's, I mean, if we, if we can just kind of, if you're comfortable, I mean, if we can break down the budget, I, I assume, you know, you're, you're, you're spending money, you got to spend money to make money uh, on a fundraiser. There's a mail program, a field program. There a digital program, maybe radio and television. But uh, give give our listeners a sense, uh, department by department, budget line so item. These races could run you uh, anywhere between two to three hundred thousand dollars on the low end, all the way up into uh, you know you know we're talking seven figures, right? Over a million dollars in some instances depending on how competitive it is and, and how much people you know got to get out there. We figure that we'll probably not so much split the difference, but um, at least try to get to a little over a third of the way there. And we try to piece things out into somewhat around a three hundred and fifty to a $400,000 budget. And that's just kind of what we were able to do coming out of the gate. 
And then, you know, if we were to ramp up or try to build out um, what that might look like and then take a look at the campaign finance, you know, what that looks like and how do we how do we get there? How do we you know, find donors um, that are willing to go out on the edge, so to speak? And this is where campaigns and politics right, become really one dimensional in the sense that a lot of incumbents don't see a lot of challenges because it is unbelievably difficult to mount a challenge against someone who can outrage you two to three times, right? They can just, you know, uh, and so that that becomes tough. And, and everyone who traditionally gives money want to give money to who they perceive the, rent, the winner is going to be. So you run against a two-term incumbent, you, you run against all of that power and influence um, that you can amass over, over you know, of that kind of time span. It makes these things kind of seem like insurmountable. In, in some instances. You took it there. I mean, no uh, surprise. I mean, for better or worse in American politics, uh, campaign finance uh, probably needs a hell of a lot of reform, but it is the mother's milk. So look, it's a pandemic and uh, you know, candidates are generally doing the Zoom thing. And, and over the years, there's been uh, just an explosion of low dollar giving with that blue. But give us a sense of how uh, your team has built the finance program. The finance program actually started around the candidate, right? The candidate we kind of have a, a few conversations about how we wanted to do it. And he just kind of started doing it, right? He would, he started with his Facebook friends. He has over five, you know, he has like the max, right? And he literally started in the A's, right? Wherever your friends list start. And what he did was he went literally down the list. Um, and if he didn't have contact information, he sent them a message saying, Hey, uh, give me your number. I want to, I want to keep, you know, I want to shoot you a call. And literally called them and we've had hundreds of $100 donations, right? We just had, a, a we've had, I would say probably over 800 individual $100 donations, right? And these are, these are working people, right? These are people who work every day, who is trying to make their, their money count, make their, their money stretch. This is not a community of folks who have a ton of money, right? He does not come from like the Squirrel Hill area of the city, which is um, probably, you know, the highest per capita income in the state, probably in terms of wealth. Um, He does not come from that area. You know, he comes from, you know, a poor area, right? That working poor, right? And these are just everyday folks who wants to chip in a hundred bucks, right? 50 bucks to help out. Um, And we've had at this point, probably close to over 1500 individual donors, to make over 1,800, you know, contributions. Um, and some people come in as a reoccurring at $10, at $15, at $5. And so we've, we've made it work. I think we've only had to date maybe less than eight people to max out at that $2,900 um, price tag. And I think we've had four packs max out at the, at the $5,000 um, price. Outside of that, we, we've, we've had small dollar donations. Our, our average donation is, is somewhere between 90 and $95 you know, uh, per donation or so. Uh, and so that again is something that probably hasn't been done before. We can, we can't go back to find a campaign that has had over 1500 individual contributions in the, in the mayor's race, this, you know, race this size. Well, and look, I was always taught that, uh, I mean, these are literally investors and they're invested in every sense of the word. So are you turning these folks also into volunteers? I mean, if we could touch base with the field program, you know, every campaign in the lead up to 2020 was doing fields slightly differently. But, you know, now, thank God we're getting vaccinated. I mean, what's what's your field program looking like? 
So we have these phone, these virtual phone banks that we have, but we've gotten back to uh, knocking, right? We, we started out by saying, let's see how it goes. Let's see what these conversations are. Let's see how many people slam the doors in our faces because, you know, they're, they're afraid of, you know, and so we've taken the necessary precautions. We are masks. We're making sure that we have sanitizer. We have some PPE. We're knocking from a distance. Uh, we're dropping lit. We're trying to have conversations. Um, we've knocked, I think, at this point, maybe over 20,000 doors or so. You know, we're back to, to having conversations with folks, letting them know that the campaign is, is, is active and vibrant and we're having the, the meaningful conversations. But we've also made sure that we've hosted Zoom meetings. I think for 10 weeks in a row, every Friday, we had a Zoom meeting and try to talk to every, every community. Um, reach out to, to voters throughout the city um, who aren't answering their doors and we can't talk to, you know, physically, but we can still see them face to face through uh, through Zoom. So we're, we're, we're working every angle. So which if you're open to sharing, I mean, which which neighborhoods, which precincts uh, is, is your team uh, counting on the most and focusing uh, most intensively your field operations is where I mean, we're in GOTV now. So which which neighborhoods and precincts? So we're in the thick of it. We have. I would say the East End, which is what you referenced earlier, is kind of our base, right? Like that's where Ed's from. He grew up in, in East Liberty, um, which is the Eastern part of the city. That's the district that he, you know, currently serves as representative. And then that's also an area where a lot of progressive folks live. It's also the site of a, the, the protest that happened last summer, uh, where you know, a, you know, a peaceful protest was interrupted with pepper, you know, pepper spray uh, from the police department. Um, that happened in this area. It's it's known as a progressive area where people want change. Um, that's where a lot of support have come from. But we've also seen an amazing outpouring of support uh, from voters on the north side and voters um, not only in the hill, which is where you would expect. Um, but in places like the West End, right, parts of the West End and parts of, of, of the South Side and, and the flats in the hills where where people are saying, hey, you know, we want change here, too. Right. We you know. And so we've seen an outpouring of support everywhere during the petition period. We we weren't sure we had an aggressive goal. Uh, we can't find anywhere on record where another campaign, mayoral campaign Catalog six thousand vote. I mean six thousand signatures, right? We got six thousand like four hundred and forty signatures, almost the same amount of signatures that the current mayor has gotten in all three times of collecting signatures for the position he currently holds, um, and, and close to three times what he got this you know signatures he collected this year. We know that there is a, a crying for change, and we've seen support uh, from almost every corner of the city. Well, Mo, you've been you've been super generous with your time, uh, and you're probably counting down the hours until uh, the polls open. You know, what are you going to be looking for uh, on election night, and and do you think that we're going to have a clear answer on election night, or is this going to stretch into uh, Wednesday or dare I say Thursday? Well, what we're hoping is that the uh, we do believe. I think uh, currently there's close to twenty thousand ballot requests. Two weeks ago, there was 13,000. Last week, I think that number is up to 15 and a half or so, close to 16. Um, I think that by all told, we, we might end up with over 20,000 requested ballots. Uh, we're hoping that 95% of those are, are, are returned. We know that they're not returned, you know, one to one. 
But we're hoping that on the day of that the, the workers down at the Board of Elections are able to start counting ballots. And if they're able to start counting ballots um, early enough in the day to get an answer, I think the 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 results from the polls would be sufficient enough to give us a clear understanding of, of where of where we stand in terms of that total. Um, the only way it leads into Wednesday is if the count is is under, you know, five uh, percent. Right. Like if, if candidates are, are really close in margins. And so throughout the day, what we're going to be looking for is making sure that we're able to turn our base out and that everyone who is eligible to vote has a way to to exercise that vote and that they get out. So if that happens, I, I think that we we win. And I think that we, we win somewhat decisively. Well, thanks so much for taking time out of uh, this you know, super busy uh, final hours of the campaign and uh, look forward to, uh, the, to seeing what happens uh, hopefully on Tuesday night and if not, uh, Wednesday lunchtime. <laughs> Thank you so much. I definitely appreciate your time and your listeners. So thanks for, for having me. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. As Hillary Clinton used to say, it takes a village. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Sarah McGrath and Jake Schwartz. If you liked this discussion, we would love for you to give us a review, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a suggestion on a future guest and other feedback, visit our website, papoliticspodcast.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PA Political Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.